Welcome to episode number 246 of Numb Bills Fan Podcast. I am your host, David Palermo. Um, sitting here talking, I got my little lispy thing going on here. I have a mouth operated on. It's really cool. Love it. Um, I had two metal posts shoved in my face because, you know, one time at 18, I did a face plant on my bike and had a flipper, little retainer for six months. Meant to last, you know, six months. And uh, as I said, lasted 18 years so shout out to jmft if you know him r.i.p bro i can't do my tooth trick where i dangle my you know chiclet around on my retainer john love you dude the bills are fucking winning where the fuck are you fucking miss you and i hope you're seeing it all as you are so shout out to our boy john turner if you know him love him miss him big bills fan at the tailgates, I would run into once a year. You'd be out of town working, always moving jobs around at Zoomies. Anyways, on a positive note, my tooth, who cares, right? So I got Brenton Biddlecombe and Lucas Hurl from What's the Odds podcast, which features Steve Renazizi from, uh, it's actually his podcast, technically, I think. His name's on the title. So it says, What's the Odds with Steve Renazizi? You know Steve from the league great show i think one of the best shows ever honestly in history ever ever so steve started a podcast brenton biddlecombe is with him and lucas is on it and lucas is more of like a stat guy and they're both big bills fans so once i heard that lucas and once i actually heard brenton was a huge bills fan because they would talk bills every podcast who talks bills every podcast that many so they touch on it a little bit Next thing you know, Lucas, I'm told, is the encyclopedia of the shit. So really good conversation. We talked about Dog Flutie, Bledsoe, everything. Really just a solid, fun, you know, deeper humor, Bill's Talk podcast. And really honored and, and flattered to have them on here. Please follow them along. What's the Odds podcast everywhere. As always, support Punch Drunk Sports, Tinfoil Hat, and along. All right, welcome to Nump Bills Fan Podcast, and uh, I'm here with the guests as promised, Brenton Biddlecombe and Lucas, big Bills fans, and they're on the What's the Odds Podcast with Steve Runazizi. You probably know him from the league. He's been on Punch Drunk Sports, and so these guys, so check them out. Um, where can we follow you guys to, to get it rolling? Go ahead, Lucas. At Lucas Earl. All uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm working on a video right now. I hope to release on this weekend so yeah. he's being modest but he makes these uh you should check him out that he makes these great yelp videos he'll go to like an obscure place or or an event and then makes these uh, amazing yelp reviews with yeah. uh, like, you know really really good jokes i like, I like to yelp kind of one-time events that will never happen again like you know friends weddings and things like that and just judge him <laughs> So you like to be like the Chinese Yelp of just one-time events? Right, right. And just, you know, be self-righteous and like a, like an average Yelp reviewer. Or like a Yelp elite member, I guess I should. <laughs> but they're, they're really good. I encourage you guys to yeah, check, please them, check out. them out. Are they on your Instagram? Like you're for real about this? Yeah, yeah. Oh no shit! 
Okay. Oh, yeah. I went to the cowboy Cowboys training camp last year in Oxnard and uh, just just shat on them because I hate Dallas. Yo, you I know mean, what? <laughs> Fuck Dallas. You know what I, I almost did? The, I might hate the Steelers more, but Dallas is definitely up there. You know what I did? Um, I was in Vegas last year during their training camp, and Antonio Brown was there, and um. I really wanted to go down there and just fucking heckle him and bring a micro, like a megaphone, but I'll be honest, like I feel like that dude's so crazy he would just like come over and beat my ass. Like, not gonna lie, like <laughs> I'm fucking you know, Sean McDermott, I'm careful about that dude. I, I try not to trash Sean McDermott. Like anybody who's gotten to that level of wrestling, he don't fucking play. That's a crazy man. He just yeah. needs time, you know. Juan Castillo fucked up my life, but I'm not gonna talk about it. I don't you know. But um so, Brighton, where can we find you, dude? Like, what's your Twitter and Instagram? Uh, I am at BD Combs on everything, B-D-C-O-M-B-E-S. All right, and Elephant in the Room is, um, to my boy Mike Smith, I promised he would be on to talk to you because he's a big gambler. He's a gambling expert. Now his whole thing is fucking telling me about cryptocurrency. And, like, no offense, but, like, I don't – Mike, I love you, bro, but, like, I don't want to ask you for gambling advice because this guy is a champion. Um, you want to tell the fans like what you're a champion of? Do you want your whole? Mi- I believe you deserve a minute of it. Um, uh, well, I'm sure if anybody's watching football, they're getting just bashed with DraftKings ads every five seconds, uh, talking about the uh, the millionaire maker and how players have already won. And you probably watched that going, "Oh, that's bullshit. It's not real." And uh, it is. And I won it last year, week six. Week six. It was a Bills bye, bye week, too. Bills it was a Bills nice. bye week. I was at Steve Branazizi's house. We were watching the game, and he got so pissed. It was one of the best days ever. Was it like watching the league of him getting pissed? Or was it, does he just, is not like, I know it's a corny fucking question. Was it like him acting? But, I mean, to me, it's easier just to be yourself, especially if you're not controlled. And if you had the freedom, kind of how we were talking pre-roll of that show. I could almost picture just being natural for him just to lose his fucking mind. Like, well, you, you got to keep in mind too. Like, he had a bunch of comics over. He's telling them, "Oh, Breton's going to show up. He's going to talk about fantasy football. He doesn't know shit." And they were all prepared with that. And then to to sit on his couch and go, "Oh, hey, Steve, I'm gonna I'm gonna win a million bucks," and he's like, "Oh, that's not real." And then it turns out, yeah, it is real. <laughs> I mean. That's fucking nuts he's, because Charles Clay is. This, he started this gambling podcast as like this expert, and then I kind of accidentally hijacked it, winning. <laughs> I mean, I've won, I've won a million, and I've won a bunch of other smaller contests, and have made actually quite a healthy living in the last uh, not even year since I started doing it. So to be real with you, Brenton, interesting you mentioned that, and Lucas, sorry to bore you to death because I'm sure you're sick of hearing this, um, but. You know, I listened to What's Odds when it first came out, and you, you sounded more, no disrespect, like a side guy, like a co-host-y kind of thing um, that he would bounce shit with, and you guys yeah, would talk. Yeah, I, I was supposed to be. Right, I, that's, right. That's, he brought me in to do that. And but not for nothing, of... when you get the fucking gold medal and the trophy, like, get the fuck out of here, Steve. I'll do respect to the man. But, like, I mean, you're at that championship level. Um, I know what it's like to be a champ, and can I tell you my story? Yeah, so please. about seven years ago, eight years ago, I was with an ex, and her dad was, like, into fantasy football, and I would just, like, 
it was the year that because I was a Vikings fan as well, my through my father. Because every weekend it was what's the spread on college ball, fucking Sunday. You know what I mean? Street guy, love him, and uh, he. That's just what he did. That's just what we do is gambling, you know. But he liked no local teams. I I picked the worst teams. I liked all of his. The Orioles. I liked the Bills due to proximity, and the Sabers due to proximity. But I also liked the Vikings because they won. Because they had like a Warren Moon, they had a lot of excitement over the years. They yeah. had Randall Cunningham, you know what I mean? Chris Carter, Rand, oh, Randy Moss, and, and and what's crazy is that's what drove me crazy about the Bills is like I'm watching football around the league, and you know it's just nuts. So long story short, I go, dude, fantasy football is fucking gay. That's like, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons for jocks. Like get the fuck out of here. And the next thing you know, my friend Mike, I'm talking about earlier. Compulsive gambler, him and this dude Andy, that I'm in this league now. It's a 16 team league. They were partners. They won 600 apiece. And I'm like, yo, how do I get that bread? So, like, you'll appreciate this. I do fantasy football next year. My other friend, who's an expert, he does a, a, a standard league. And I was like, huh, okay, whatever. And the other league I did was PPR. I had no fucking clue. And I took Roscoe Parrish, okay? I got a touchdown, though. Trying oh, to overthrow yeah. him a touchdown. But, like, dude, I was all, like, right. I didn't know anything. I really didn't know how the game worked, like, how fantasy worked. Next year, Brenton, you'll be proud of me, bro. Standard league champion mm-hmm, of that league. Fred Jackson MVP year is what nice. sent me over that. So here's what I did. I'll tell you what I did. Everybody's caught up in fucking this is how we do it. That's what you guys see in football. We run the ball in Buffalo, and it's just like, no, you don't, you motherfucker, because that 90s offense would still slice defenses today. Shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Stop. Enough of that. Enough of this. We run the ball. Now, Russ Brandon made the pick, and we're marketing the running back when we already have two good ones in Marshawn Lynch and Fred Jackson. So, you know, what the fuck? And what I ended up doing that year is I just pulled the best receivers off the board. Because I already saw that the running back carries were getting split up. That was how football's going. And people think it's a deal over average draft position. I go, that's the average position of idiots watching mainstream media and not paying attention to systems or paying attention to what they did last year. And you have to pay attention to coaching moves. And that's how I won the league. And guess yes. what? That draft, oh, you're taking him? And, and my friend Sean literally laughed at me, the dude who ran the league. I got laughed at that draft. Laughed. Laughed. And, you know, a few years later, 16-team league, took Aaron Rodgers, pick four. Fucking crazy, right, to take a quarterback. That's such amateur hour. But I took Lamar Jackson, pick 16 this year. I mean, but they also moved the touchdowns up to six points in that league. So it's like, you know, and you know what I've always done? And this year has been the blue pilling year where, like, I don't, I'm trying to blue pill in the sports again. It's fucking hard. I don't know shit about football, but I've always put everything into tiers mentally. And now mm-hmm. I guess Fantasy Pros has a tier sheet from a bunch of quote unquote experts. And I follow that and I've never felt better about a draft because I have no emotion towards players. I don't care anymore about this is how you do it because you have to look at the way the league is going. And now you can even get a third receiver on a team. Like I said, Cole Beasley's going to have a big game. He fucking went off. He went off in the fourth quarter. Yep. So I don't know. Would you have a general strategy? Like Lucas, do you do this too? 
No, no. I'm just, well, I mean, I got a DraftKings account now, and I did do, like, the debate prop bets last night. But, I mean, I remember last year, Brent, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, he, he kind of, Brent had kind of gotten, he had gotten into DraftKings, and, like, the week before we took, did you win, like, a few hundred bucks? Uh, yeah, the first week I played, I, I won three weeks into being on DraftKings. So the first week I, I lost like 20 bucks. The second week, I think I won like maybe a hundred or 120 bucks. And, uh, then week six was when I won a million bucks, a million and $80. Yeah. Very, very proud of that, uh, $80. I, I did be. four lineups and, and that, uh, $80 paid for the four lineups. Yeah, I mean, we were sitting on Steve's couch, and everybody else was outside. Brent, Brent shows me his phone. We're watching, like, I think it was, like, the Cardinals and Cowboys or some shit. And he shows me his phone, and he's like, uh, you know, Cowboys, I, Cowboys, Jets. Okay. And he, and he showed me your phone, and, he, and Brent's like, all right, I want to get my hopes up, but right now I'd win $32,000. And this is, I think, like, the middle of the third quarter in that game. And then about 30 minutes pass, and I'm outside at that point. It's just Brent and his fiance in the living room. And he comes outside, and he tells me, like, it's up to, like, 250000 or something. Like, he, he jumped up to, like, the top tier really fast. The amazing part to me is that he – and then eventually he gets to number one. And by then, everybody outside, like, all eight of us that were at Steve's house knew what was going on. But there were still, like, two minutes left to go you know, in all, in all the afternoon football games. So he could easily be bumped out of that. And he stayed on top for those two minutes. And then when he did win, it was very bizarre because, you know, you have this feeling like, you know, my best friend had just won a million dollars, but you don't get a, he didn't get a phone call, no email, or, you know, he, he, he's just going through trying to figure out how do I claim this money as fast as I can. I mean, it's, it's yeah, really, it, everyone's going like, oh, they're, they're an offshore company. They're probably not real. They're just going to take the money and say that they pay out. And, and then, oh, we went out of business. Sorry. Yeah. How, so about, we hear, not, how about we hear I more could about not hope. initiate that transfer faster. <laughs> well, I got to, you know, not for nothing. And I think this is a problem with society here. It's where's the fucking hope? Where, where's the, where's the Joe Roganified of it, of pandering to each other? Like, yeah, man, you could do it. Like, you know, I've had to cut people out of my life like that who are like, you can't do this. It's like, no, you're going to help me get this million dollars. I'm going to give you fucking 30 bucks. You want to be friends with the millionaire or not? You know, it's that simple. And maybe I'll help you with your fucking advice on your team if you want. Because technically, Brenton, you could be making all these influencer, like, masterclass DraftKings videos at this point, as far as I'm concerned. Charge a thousand dollars, and uh, the, the thing is, you're just a champ. I, I, I mean, I, I listen to a lot of uh, talk radio, and I listen, I read up on a lot of experts. I follow beat writers, and they can say all this stuff, and you can look at all the numbers, and you can analyze every stat there is. And at the end of the day, it's still just educated guessing. So, the reason I haven't like parlayed into something like that is because I don't want people to pay me money and then just kind of guess better for them. And I don't want to lose people their own money. I would rather just do it myself, 
lose my own money, make my own money, but I don't want to be responsible for someone putting their house up just because I was like, oh, you, you better start John Brown this week because he's going to have three touchdowns. <laughs> no, no, no. You're missing the point of the scam here. You're, you, they pay like X amount to get access to your limited quantity Skype, okay? What they do mm -hmm. with their money is their fucking problem. That's you know what I mean. That's all I'm telling yeah. you. You know they have to have access to the Bitcoin system. Well, the other side of that is uh, now. Granted, comedy's been shut down, especially in LA, for the last few months. But uh, I'm normally doing that like every waking moment that I'm not, you know, doing fantasy football, and then I work for all things comedy full time. So I'm doing all these different jobs that uh, you know I just don't have the time to do something like that. But I hear what you're saying, and, and you're not the first person to suggest that I should be doing something. But it's also, like, not a passion of mine. Like, it's not an ambition to, to have my own talk show about it and, and, you know, give advice and set people's lineups. And maybe down the road, but right now it's like I'm just focused on trying to be a comic. Oh, for sure. I, I was mostly kidding because I, you know... In my purgatory of, of finishing drywall and sanding it, I uh, go through a lot of emotions, okay, looking at walls. So I listen to a bunch of podcasts, and um, some of them I listen to are, like, entrepreneurial ones. Like, how do you have, like, a business that makes good money, but you don't have a whole fucking workforce, or you can do it remotely? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And with our phone, yeah. you have the opportunity. So that's, that's what I was kind of just busting your chops about, because... I just would picture as a comedian how like crazy that would be that you would like not expect to actually win at that. You know what I mean? You're just kind of like going with emotions. Um, Lucas, did you get a cut I mean, of the money on his lineup? Did you help him at all or no? I mean, we got stuff crust pizza. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, and Brent, he, like, he plans to win the million again. Yeah, it'll happen again. I believe it. I'm not kidding. I really honestly think that right now, if you actually pay attention and you have a tier set up to players and you have an understanding of systems and even, okay, say you're a Steelers fan or not, you know, you don't like the Steelers, well, they don't usually start their first round picks for a little bit, right? On defense, at least, mm -hmm. you know, maybe some coaches are like that on offense or... You know, for example, Tyrod Taylor, some people say, oh, he can't throw anything over the middle. He can't throw anything but out. And, and it's just like, well, what's he asked to do? You know, and if you yeah. have an understanding about that. Okay, I'm going to transition this. Do you have anything, Lucas, on this um, topic of fantasy sports before I transition into uh, – and I'll give you guys – I was going to start – I was going to go last, but I'll give you guys a setup on uh, – Bill Belichick and the Patriots and, and Tom Brady, you know. Um, you have okay. anything on that fantasy stuff, Lucas, or are you good? No, no. I would just say one of the coolest parts about it, I think, look, you know, looking back, is that Stefan Diggs was such a vital part for Brenton winning. And, yeah, you know, he, was my, like, he was my difference maker on that lineup. And he was, like, on the trading block the week before, and, and I was just thinking, like, you know, Stefan Diggs is, is uh, he went off for like, what was it, three touchdowns? And he had three I, touchdowns. I was, it was uh, 46 DraftKings points, and it was maybe like 6% of the field, or might have been less than that, honestly, drafted him. 
And I put him in because I was like, this is the week where he's either going to go off or they're going to trade him. So he's been screaming and, you know, squeaky uh, wheel gets the grease and he wanted the ball and they gave him the ball and, and shut him up. And I mean, if I hadn't listened to that and said, okay, who's the guy that's talking the most in a, on a team that throws a lot because they were throwing a lot of, last year and the matchup was good, uh, you know, I I got thought on yeah. that actually with with Diggs and Lucas. I'm gonna to toss it back to you because we're gonna transition real quick into the Diggs for a few minutes. This is way too good. Um, because Lucas, I want you to piggyback me here. Um, uh, you're called to Brenton the Bills Encyclopedia, and what I will tell you is when Diggs this is so homerish of me. When Diggs I heard was on the block, I sent him a DM on IG. He never read it. Of course, I checked recently. I'm not a loser because I sent him another one. <laughs> and I was like, yo, if Bill's Mafia wants you, they'll love the shit out of you. And and what we learn is that sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire. And Kirk Cousins is probably a fucking douchebag. And Josh Allen, by all accounts, is the nicest kid ever and really yeah. cool. And the fact that he can fucking laugh at himself and he's funny as fuck. I was just worried for him. On a side note to you guys that my listeners and a bunch of people know, I didn't like to pick because I didn't think he would make it through the marketing here. I, I think the fans are too stupid to roll with a quarterback for more than three years. They get impatient. Yes. And so now yes. that's why I was against it. Be, oh, you you hated Josh Allen. No, I fucking didn't. Maybe I just don't want a kid to hate his life and blow his fucking brains out. Listen to EJ Manuel talk on Eric Wood's podcast, and all my theories were right, which is Nathaniel Hackett, some fucking idiot, a.k.a. first-year rookie Offensive coordinator is going to double duty on your franchise quarterback as quarterback's coach. And Josh Allen gets brought into a dumpster fire with no fucking talent. And then Doug Wayu is all of a sudden an asshole. And I've never seen more talent in Buffalo. And, oh, they have cap problems? Great. I fucking wish they had cap problems. And now I realize, oh, it's all marketing. Whatever they want to tell you, they can accomplish. And, you know, a few mushroom trips at the games later, uh... And Googling the military flyovers, I've lost interest, and in, in here I am. Back to you guys on planet Earth. And I'll tell you, I don't remember a receiver coming in like Stefan Diggs like this fucking year one in Brandon Bean. Mad credit right now. Mad credit. Yeah. But, you know, played money ball at the offensive line last year. It worked out. But I wanted to get Josh Allen set up out the gate. And if you're playing chess and you want your quarterback to survive, how about you get a receiver for him? I like that the defense is built up, but if you got such a good system, it's going to be built up. If you got such a good culture, guess what? Players will turn their fucking attitude around for you. So, you know, a lot of players didn't even see the field. Darby, Roby got traded. Oh, they don't play in that scheme. I get it. Can we at least see him in pads first? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, so to be where we are now with Diggs, Lucas, what do you, what do you think about all that? Well, I mean, it was hard. You remember a few years ago when, like, half the Buffalo Buffalo's 2014 receiving corps was playing for the Rams. And, you know, so I like yep. Buffalo's number one last year, like Cole Beasley. Meanwhile, Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins are both having good careers on other teams. Um, I, it kind of sounds like you were against the Josh Allen pick. I was too. That's kind of funny to hear. Cause I'm, I'm not a homer, bro. I get hit. I'm not a homer. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, you're, I was, you're not. I was you're not for wrong. Josh Rosen. I was hoping for you know, because I didn't know Josh Allen from Wyoming. He played against Iowa the very first game of his last year, and he looked terrible. 
and my first game ever going because I went to Iowa. My first game as a student, Ben Roethlisberger played against um when he was at Miami of Ohio and he threw four picks and it was his first loss before like I don't know if you remember he started his rookie year like thirteen and zero so it was his first loss in like a before becoming a pro. He looked terrible. I thought the same thing about Josh Allen. I'm like, oh, Iowa has another easy game, week one on their schedule against some small-ass state school, and they made him look bad, and I didn't want him. And when they traded up to take him, especially, I'm like, Jesus Christ, they they gave up all these picks when the year before, had they just stayed at their original draft slot, they could have taken Patrick Mahomes. Instead, they traded back with Kansas City. You know, so I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, well... They could, we're in lockstep. You know, we're in lockstep. The audience knows right where you're at. I, I'm with you, and not to cut you off like I do, um, but like I'm gonna tell you right now, dude, you're not wrong to think that. And do not forget, they traded a franchise left tackle who had what a couple fucking ankle injuries in Cordy Glenn that was a great yeah. value already under contract, and then yeah. so you got not only one starter, you got two second round picks. Which oh by the way. One was Sammy fucking Watkins. And then, oh, you know what? Marcel Darius was so much money. And now we're going to back up the Brinks truck for Star Latule. What is your message to me? And now I'm paying money to go to these games. I'm going through shit emotionally. I'm, you know, I got the Obamacare. My van starts breaking down. I got all sorts of shit. You know what I'm saying, dude? Like all this loser shit, yeah. you know, I'm waking up. that I don't yeah. need all this stuff. And I got to go pay money. To see the Bills put up three points and they're having design runs with your rookie quarterback. <laughs> and you know what I said when I went to camp? And I'm the guy who says Jeff Toole throws a better ball than EJ Manuel and at, at camp. And not for nothing, fucking Josh Allen, dude, he looked nothing like the scouting report said. He did not look out of place. You know what I said? Peterman is a – because you know where I lost it, guys? Is when they're touting this fucking – oh, Sean McDermott has a fucking notepad. I'm sorry, but Rex Ryan came into town. I'm like, great. I'm going to fucking put on a Speedo. I'm going to do the dumbest shit I can to get attention, and I'm going to be high as a kite in bed listening to Bill Burr podcast. Everybody else like, I could do this podcast by myself, and that's where you're at. <laughs> you, you find out the truth, and I had a producer. We're making videos, but then, like, you know, you go up and down the rabbit hole, but what are you marketing to me? This guy's an idiot, but now this guy is a notepad, but then you have Nathan Peterman, who's the stupidest person I've ever seen play football. Okay, dude, I was literally <laughs> rolling on the floor at interception three of five at my father's house. Like, just no yeah, fucking Brent way. Yeah, and I were at that game. You yeah. went to that. Yeah, we, we saw it. We stayed till the end. Do you think the <laughs> offensive line blocked or no? <laughs> No, I watched Joe no. Willis, uh, every chance he was on the field, and I you uh, heard you like, heard what he said, right? What he said? He said, "I don't think they were even blocking for him." Meaning, if you listen to Richie Incognito, <laughs> he went on this show called the John Murphy Show. Okay, about at the end of that season, and he goes, "Hey, we had to go into the offensive line or into the coaches' room after game after week five and go, yo." We were number one at this for two years, okay? And I called Doug Marone, Doug Moron, because C.J. Spiller, we knew, could not run between the fucking guards. What do they do running between the guards? Yeah. Okay, so now I'm like, no fucking way. So then you draft Josh Allen. You give away Lucas, Encyclopedia Lucas. You're going to be the new encyclopedia here. You don't have a choice. 
When the fuck have the Bills been set up better for a draft than Josh Allen? And, and Tremaine Evans is nice. I'll give you that. But I don't think it's worth three picks. And, oh, by the way, Lamar Jackson yeah. would have fell to you, too. Like, just stop it, guys. You got to pick what fence you're on. Are you on the equity value and we can't waste resources like the last regime? Because they got lucky that Josh Allen honestly turned out this good. Because he should have been starting the whole time, is my point on Peterman. I said from day one, documented my shit talk, he should have been starting. Peterman is a roster clogger. And how the fuck do you have a vet QB <laughs> that doesn't have more than 800 yards passing and McCarron on the roster? Tell me you care about your quarterback. Can I say an unpopular opinion? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that we didn't get Lamar Jackson because I honestly don't think he's going to pan out. I think last year he was like this exciting new thing and no one knew what to do, how to stop him. He is a great athlete, but, you know, a rushing quarterback only lasts so long. He's not going to be a franchise quarterback for 15 years. And you've seen him against the Chiefs. The Chiefs know how to defend him. He had 97 pass yards on Monday. He had, like, maybe eight rushes for not that much. And they look like crap. So I think we got the better quarterback out of that draft. I honestly am so glad that uh, that we have Josh Allen because not only can he run, he's also just a big fucking dude that can run over people. So he's tough, and now he's starting to develop mentally. He's starting to make smarter decisions, and he has the strongest arm in the game. He keeps improving. He's perfect for Buffalo too. He's perfect. He fits, for he fits what they want to do, and they're you know they're smaller with their uh, their receivers, but their receivers are two of the fastest guys in the league. So it really opens up the field for everybody. Well, that that was my biggest complaint to you guys just now. So so you guys know is. You know, I grew up playing tackle ball. I never played a fucking lick or organized football, but I wrestled in high school, and I would outwork the football players, to be frank with you. And, um, Lucas, did you ever meet Dan Gable if you went to Iowa? Uh, I knew his daughter. I never met him, but his daughter went was the same age as I. I would have never walked near her. Yeah, no, Dan Gable is the toughest son of a bitch I think that ever lived. I mean, do you know a lot about his story? I don't know a bunch of his story, but um, the guy in my in my school for wrestling, um, my coach went to nationals or regionals or something in college a few times. The other guy went to Oklahoma. So, like, I I, I know a, a brief amount, but if you want to give a little rundown, by all means. I mean, just, just, just so you know how much of a badass Tim Gable is, or Dan Gable, I'm sorry, is I think he was 13 years old. And his sister was murdered in their house. And it was, you know, him and his sister were the only kids. And so his parents, I think, moved to another house for a bit. And when they moved back into their old house, he intentionally slept in his sister's room that she was murdered in because he didn't want to to let, like, his parents say, they're like, do not go on the street. He, he, he made that room his bedroom because he's such a tough psycho that he's like, I'm not going to let, any, any, anything else, you know, I, like, I'm going to reassure my family that through this, you know, terrible tragedy, we got to, you know, continue life as, 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 as normal as it can. And I mean, Brent, he, he, in the, I think, God, I think it was the Sydney Olympics in the seventies. He didn't have a, he was a wrestler. He didn't have a, a point scored against him the entire, entire Olympics which is like winning Wimbledon, they say, just, just off serves. 
Yeah. Like, that's how hard it is. The toughest guy I think that might have ever lived. Yeah, he was. I mean, you got the gable grip. And, um, I mean, Iowa is like, I don't want to talk out of turn. People are going to kill me. But, like, they're like an undefeated wrestling team for, like, fucking decades or some shit, right? Yeah. Like, just, yeah. you know, and, and what's crazy and the unfortunate part about wrestling, at least in my aspect, is I think it almost that in, in, in early, like, street, I don't want to say it, like, lightly. I try to not think about it. But, like, early life, you know, I think around the city and stuff, it kind of, a little grow up fast. And it sounds like that's what happened with Dan Gable is he he just grew up fast and put himself into this, like, really high-pressure situation. But out of that, you get that diamond through pressure, and, and you just got this amazing system. Um, can I transition the system into Bill Valachek for you? Yeah. All right, so... Um, I've watched a lot of Brady, and the reason I love going to the games is because, as a football video game player is discussed, um, I like to see the breakdown in coverage. I like to, to zone in on a player. Chris Kelsey used to drive me nuts to a point where I tweeted WGR and Taxi Johnson, like, yo, how does Chris Kelsey get paid $36.6 million or whatever the fuck? And Stevie Johnson don't get shit. <laughs> and, and Stevie yeah, hopped in my inbox. That was one of Mar- <laughs> What's that? That was one of Marv Levy's worst contracts when he extended yeah. Chris Kelsey like that. No, um, that wasn't even Marv Levy. That was Buddy Nix. Well, wait, was it? Yup, 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 yup. Because Buddy Nix was the guy who it. said, um, you know, Shobo, we don't give a fuck if he comes back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and the only reason I know is because Buddy Nix is when I started to actually, like, break down, like, okay, we just got to trust these guys. Come on, man. This is their day job. I was, like, in that camp, right? And I'm on Buffalo Rumblings taking a shit, reading comments and commenting. And through comments on Pro Football Talk and Buffalo Rumblings, you start learning and, and retracing steps, like history, you know? So you learn, oh, Chris Kelsey sucks because why? And then you start watching for it. And, um, Yeah. Forgot where I was though. No, wait. I'm looking right now. It was Marv Levy because it was in '07, and Buddy Nix took over in '09. Because I remember Buddy Nix. Buddy Nix was part of the good old boys that Ralph Wilson. Did he get? He might have got you know, two like, contract extensions then. I hear that, that, that probably is. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, yes, because people were shocked he was still on the team. They're like, "How's this guy make the cuts?" <laughs> And you know what was offensive? One of my exes I was with, she goes, we go to camp. She goes, who's that guy? I go, get the fuck out of here. Don't fucking say that again. Like, literally out loud in the sand. Don't fucking look at him. And don't you ever say Chris Kelsey looks good. I don't want to see this fucking dude again. <laughs> I was so fucking mad. Like, Jesus, dude. Chris dude. Kelsey, he made one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen as a, as a Bills fan. I was watching it live with my brother at a sports bar. Tom Brady slid to the ground, sliding, and Chris Kelsey came in five seconds later and helmet helmet to helmeted it. And it drew the 15 yards. It was like a key third down. It was just such a dumb, dim-witted play. And, you know, I grouped him and Ryan Denny, and it's like the same, like two second-round defensive ends that Tom Donahoe picked that just never amounted to shit. <laughs> and, dude... You're, you're telling me, man, when they signed Trent Murphy and I'm watching this fucking dude do nothing last year, like dance around on the field, 
I'm like, what the fuck? But now he's playing good. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. on the Patriots, um, Breton, did you have anything on that topic of Chris Kelsey? I don't want to leave you out of this. No, no, no. Okay. He was garbage, and we are better in the future now than we were back then. Thank God. And uh, Jerry <laughs> Hughes, best trade ever for Calvin Shepard, third, you know, third round yeah. pick. You yes. know. Uh, um. So, essentially, what we've what I've got to see in the Bills, and I was there at the game where the Bills won against the Patriots. You know, because that's like a Super Bowl for us. So at this point. And um, I You're cried. You're talking the Fitzpatrick game? Yeah, I was there. I cried, all right? That was the first year I was a season ticket holder. And the thing is, it gets overshadowed, is they had an amazing comeback against the Raiders the week before. And I think that was like three weeks. That was game two. And I believe game one might have been Philly. I could be wrong. But, um, yeah, I was at that game. Very emotional. Bill Belichick losing his fucking mind, like, like literally like the end of like a fucking video game scene. Like, what do you mean? I had, I accidentally called another timeout. What do you mean? I got a flag. It's just like, what do you mean? Your quarterback gets rules created for him due to marketing and Bill Polian with the fucking competition community. What do you mean? They want to make more fucking Michael Jordans and a finger across the face mask and Tom Brady fucking tears his ACL due to playing a thing called football, so we got to make new fucking rules. What do you mean, talk rule? What? Do you, get the fuck out of here. Leave the stadium. Fuck you. Like, dude, it was so <laughs> dumb. But you know what's really dumb, though? Is being a Bills fan in my head, and I'm like, I can't believe that was, like, my biggest Bills sports moment ever. Like, I'm sorry, but it was. And, and, and yeah. I hate to fucking say that. But that since, was a great day. Yeah. I mean, we, we don't have a lot, but we have that. We have the hand. I mean, it made the victory sweeter. And my dad grew up with it with the Dolphins. The Dolphins just owned the Bills for fucking ever. So when the Bills finally would beat them, like, he would get emotional. And I, I remember that game, and I talked to him. We were on speakerphone watching that game on different coasts, and uh, I cried at the end. So it, it sucks to, to lose that many games, but also when they did win, it, it did feel like, you know, it's sad to say as a Bills fan that that was better than a Super Bowl. What I think is really cool if we're on the systems thing is we get to see that Shane Gailey offensive system with New York. Now with Miami. Yeah. And, and I honestly <laughs> thought firing Shane Gailey was a mistake. Um, I think that was a Russ Brandon thing. He was very emotional, very sad, you know, and um, – you know, you had the fans behind him. You had, you know, people understood that Fitzpatrick had a down year. And then you get E.J. Manuel, then they ask him to adjust his contract. And, you know, to me, if you're going to have a franchise quarterback, you want him behind somebody smart. And then they repeat it with Tyrod Taylor, you know, yada, yada, yada with, with, with Josh. And where I'm at is through the years, we've seen many different phases of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And Tom Brady, I believe, when you look into Bill Belichick a little bit, military background through his father, very, um, you know, regimen. And he gets vets because they are over, you know, the, they know what to do. Just come in, do your job. And it sounds simple, but the more research I've done, I used to think GMs was all hogwash that they got to love the game. But in reality, you do. And um, I feel like... Bill gets really good results. And Tom Brady, yes. Have I seen him throw the ball around the yard? Sure. 
But I feel like the television view compared to the stadium view, you do not really... I think you over-appreciate how good the throws are. I think his throws aren't as good because he has such a big open part of the field open because you are such a Jedi between the ears that he can cerebrally, like Jordan, we were talking pre-roll, break shit down. You know, and I can't take yeah. that from Tom Brady. But you also look at, and I use this on a podcast I haven't released yet, um, this example, but you, you, you look at Peyton Manning with his wounded duck arm. I don't give a fuck, dude. He still timed the ball to where it needed to go. He knew his arm would take five seconds to release it. He knew it, he had the trajectory. He Einsteined it. He figured it out. You know, whether Ether was involved or not, it's up to Einstein and Peyton Manning and his fucking arm. But whatever happened, happened. And Peyton Manning won a fucking Super Bowl. And I really feel that quarterback is a very overhyped position, but very important. And what I mean by overhyped, I mean marketing. Because as a Bills fan, we have seen teams win many fucking times without the quarterback and a lot of teams win with the quarterback and then they can't figure out how to win without him and that's kind of what yeah. what's cool about having josh allen rise but you know bill belichick and, and tom brady i just think his athleticism tom brady is overrated but i was impressed that he was willing to run a little bit more late you know at 40 years old a couple of years ago um, now I'm just gonna pretty much repack my weed here and just let you guys go off on Brady and fucking your theories because I know you guys have two different ones. So I don't know who wants to go first, but I will say <laughs> to wrap my take, which ain't that important. Brady's a uh, I, I hate to say he's a great player. Um, I also hate the thing about rings because when you watch these Bills games close. You guys know the refs drive a lot of shit. I've seen the Bills lose right in front of me. The more we look into sports, the more fucking robbed it is. And when you got a guy who's going to pay you more money in Tom Brady, he's going to get every call, da, da, da. But as a fan, I'm fucking sick of it. But he's never played in a real division because they are not systematically correct. And unfortunately for the Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins, Bill Belichick is the greatest mind because he understands systems. And we were talking business on the phone earlier. Well, the more I dive into how to make my job easier and develop time freedom, it comes down to a system. If I have an employee, which I do, what do I teach him? What is he asked to do? Why? Empower them, right? So I feel with Brady, he was empowered. I feel with even Cam Newton going there, he's never had this chess piece before. And, you know, I, I don't like Cam Newton's fucking demeanor. I think he makes me want to punch him in the face. But when I don't watch much football, especially college, I mean college football, and I watch him walk through Alabama, and then a few years later, I'm, I thought he was going to go to the Bills, and Andrew Luck fucked that draft up, and because he listened to Peyton Manning, ironically, and went back to school, um, you know, but I don't know. Bill Bowchuk's great. I, you know, as a Bills fan, I hate to say that, but it's the fucking truth. I admire it, you know. Um, and Tom Brady, I think, is in a real division, but Drew Brees' arm is falling off too now. So what are your thoughts on all that? Well, I think, first of all, we, we, we can't blame the Patriots for being great. We have to blame the Cleveland Browns for ruining our lives and firing Belichick. It's, it's Cleveland's fault, and Cleveland deserves to be worse than us forever. Um, I mean... Brady fell into a great position getting to, to play under Belichick. 
You look at his his combine. He was arguably one of the worst athletes ever. The photo of him with his shirt off. Oh he looks God. like the fat kid that's scowling because they were like, "You can't wear your shirt in the pool, fatty." Like he just he's slow. He had no no jump. He couldn't lift weights. His arm wasn't the strongest, and you know he fell in the draft. But he fit what Belichick wanted to do, and he was doing it with Bledsoe, who I think was you know a better athlete, but he got hurt. And then uh, Brady is probably the toughest as far as uh, mentally, one of the toughest quarterbacks ever to play. And and him just just wanting to win, like a, a, a psychotic, like I have to win no matter what. I think that elevated him to, despite his athleticism, that it led to victories just because he, he made everyone else around him so much better. And Belichick knew to put good pieces around him and knew what kind of pieces he needed. And I think now you're going to see in Tampa Bay, he's out of that system and there are good athletes down there, but he's just not going to be as good because he isn't being coached by Belichick. And when it goes south, you're going to see him. I mean, look at week one, week one this year, he's screaming like you've never seen him scream before because things went south. People didn't know what they were doing. There were mistakes that were made. He's used to everyone being perfect around him. And it's it's not going to be a good year for him. He's got an easier schedule, but I mean, I've, I've made so many side bets with people. I don't think he wins eight games this year. He uh, he would yell at offensive linemen. The guy John Murphy would say on the show is like, "Dude, you see Tom Brady just like yelling at him, like he would, you know." And I really think he's in for a reality check there. That's. Kind of where I'm coming from. Um, do you have any more on that? You did mention that you you did see him play at Michigan or something, or you watch Michigan. What, what were you saying? Yeah, he was he was mediocre. He was he, you know, he's not someone you'd look at and go, wow, that's the greatest. Like I remember a story about uh, John Elway when he was playing pee wee football, and his dad got to the game late, and as the story goes, some other dad went up to him and said, hey, is that your son playing quarterback? And and he said, yeah. And the the guy said. Well, either your son is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life or every other kid is the worst athlete I've ever seen in my entire life. You don't get that looking at Brady. You don't see him play and go, wow, he's going to be the best ever. Everyone's going to say he's the GOAT and he's going to win six Super Bowls. You would never guess that seeing him. There were so many guys who would put ahead of him. I've seen so many better players in college. I mean, he was uninspiring. He was slow and he had only, you know, a halfway decent arm. He just didn't make mistakes. And that's played a, in the NFL for 20 years. Yeah, I, I can't deny he's a great quarterback. He's a great athlete, and he might be the best if you just go off of the Super Bowl wins. But as far as uh, raw athletes and raw talent, you're going to see how good he actually is now that he's out of the perfect system. And so far, he, he hasn't been that great. Uh, well, hold on, hold on. Lucas, let me set you up real quick. Um, yeah. Kid who works with me, 21 years old, Ryan Jones, great kid, shout out. Six foot seven drywall guy, reaches the floor from, you know, eight foot ceilings, guys. We're talking printing money. Not really, but um, big Steelers fan. So last year, he's all depressed. Bro, my fucking Steelers suck. And they get Minka Fitzpatrick, Steelers light it up, you know. Defense is fire. He brought up a good point about Bruce Arians in the system. So I would love it if Lucas, if you'd want to incorporate that in your thoughts, and if, if Brenton, if you even got anything on that, you know, you two sort it out. 
As far as, like, Bruce Arian? Yeah, because, I mean, everybody, he even said it because, again, he's a Steelers fan. He's like, you know, man, I saw him with Ben. He threw a lot of picks when Ben was there. And, and every quarterback under mm-hmm. Bruce Arians, he, he, my boy seems to think that they throw a lot of picks. I mean, Freeman said Bruce a lot. Arians runs the gunslinger. He wants a gunslinger quarterback, and Brady's not a gunslinger, especially not at 43. Brady is a checkdown guy. I always felt he has been, and that's what people don't get is his yak yards must be off the chart because yeah. I'm watching these young quarterbacks in in, in middle age. I, I'm sorry, guys. Is Fitzpatrick inaccurate? Does he put everything he has into the ball? Yeah, but, like, dude, that guy could run Belichick's probably offense as good as Tom Brady. Maybe oh, better. Oh, God, no. I don't know, man. <laughs> He can't oh, help. God, he can't no. help himself. No, he's, he he's he's smart he enough. Could. He's smart enough that he could. But I I think uh, Brady. See, Brady has that X factor that only certain athletes have. That Jordan had. That like Lance Armstrong had. Referees. Think, no, Brady just will refuse to lose. And that's what made him, you know, really good. So I don't think any athlete. You couldn't just take any quarterback and put him in Belichick's system. They had to have that. Like I will. I will throw people off the bus if they don't do exactly what they're supposed to do. And I get, I get everyone else, even, even if I'm not the best person on the team and everyone knows it, I'm going to make sure that everybody's playing their best or they're not going to be on the scene. I don't give a fuck who it is. I think he had that in him and Jordan was very much like that with the bulls. And that's what, you know, that's what Belichick was looking for. He needed somebody that would just, take over and be that leader. So no one could just fall into that system and do it, but could Brady win six Super Bowls if he was anywhere else? Probably not. Well, you know, I think the genius of Bill Belichick too, before we, you know, call him like, he's, you know, the best coach ever, arguably, of course, but he signed Drew Bledsoe for like a hundred million dollars after his first year as a Patriots coach. Like he thought Bledsoe was the guy and I think the biggest genius of Belichick is a year later, he traded in within his own division. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. I, and, and I wasn't, I really didn't honestly understand how football totally worked back then. You know what I mean? I was like busy, like worrying about writing riffs before I realized I needed a hobby. Um, and, and I followed it, but like to trade a quarterback within your own division and a Drew Bledsoe fucking pedigree, that that's just like playing with fire. And in hindsight, until Josh Allen, you could argue the best quarterback to some people was Drew Bledsoe since. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking at my Drew Bledsoe bobblehead right now. Like he, <laughs> even years with New England when he wasn't a pro bowler, he, you know, he always threw a lot of interceptions, I remember. He always played well against Buffalo, no matter what. Like he always put he always put up his best stats against the Bills. You guys ever notice? Um, I asked you guys if you listen to Chopin Bulldog post game shows. Um, Brett and I could definitely text you over some um, feed or whatever, but you know they're almost on a different level of like, all right, we've seen this movie many times. You know what I mean? So here's where we're at. So it's, I, I figured a kind of jaded Bills fan thing. I mean jaded in a good way and bad way. You know, like, all right, let's analytically look at this. And 
you know, Drew Bledsoe, you almost you almost wonder with these with these teams if how does it how does it fall apart and I I wonder like but between Belichick I'm saying and him like what really he really like Tom Brady must have really just doored him if you want to use a like a motocross racing term or something like he, he really really must doored him in the race uh, of mental capacity of not making mistakes in the film room. You know, he must have been yeah. putting more effort in. And Bill Belichick is too much of a professional to shoot people under the bus. So, I mean, I wouldn't know. But the demise in Buffalo, too, you know. And then, so, but he played well in Dallas for a minute. For a minute, but then, you know, midway through his first season, he was benched for Romo. So, and it was, of course, after, a, I think, a pick six. I remember watching that game and Wetzel threw a pick six and then he's just like got benched. And I, I'm like, as a Bills fan, I've seen this many times. Because the frustrating thing about him, too, I think Drew Bledsoe was born a decade too late. Like, if he was in like that 83 draft class, he would have had a much more borderline Hall of Fame NFL career, I think, because he, he was an old fashioned quarterback. He was pocket, he had no mobility. But, I, I, you know, if he was like, playing during the L.A. Jim Kelly, like that time frame, I, I think he would have put up crazy yardage, crazy stats, almost like a Dan Reyna-like career. But unfortunately, by the time he got into the league, about five, six years into his career, you know, they kind of transformed to a more mobile quarterback kind of ideal. Well, you also had, you know, the whole Jason Peters debacle. You also, you know, have to have – for a statue to protect the statue, yeah, the, the bills you never need, you, need, you need to have an army to protect the statue. I don't know if you've been following politics lately, but like statues aren't fucking safe. And True Bledsoe was not fucking safe, dude. Like no way. And and it's just like, oh fuck, dude. I'm yeah. sorry, man. These are some bads. I, like I remember just listening to Drew Bledsoe coming on like the local radio station here after a fucking Bills loss, and like. It got to a point with these pressers I'm watching, like especially during the Duran years, and and then Fitzpatrick and Chan Gailey, like you could just look at the opening cutscene on BuffaloBills.com of whether they fucking won or lost. You didn't have to lose the game. Just look at the presser photo uh, of like the intro <laughs> to the video, and you just knew like there's a beard and a smile. They won. There's a fucking coach with this floppy hat that looks like it's never been around since he put it. I don't know. Chinky was born with this fucking floppy hat on his head, I feel like. And and it's like he's in his presser with it down and just depressed and just, you know, winning is you could see his face. I don't know. It's just Drew Bledsoe brings up clearly Bill's PTSD because you don't ever want to see that kind of drought. And I don't know about you guys, but, like, I did not want the Bills to make the playoffs like that. And where I started to barf in my mouth and and would rather drink my own piss was, like, Watching the Bills marketing team go, break the playoff drought. Doom. Andy Dalton broke it. Fucking glad Bills Mafia sent him money for a charity. <laughs> yeah. Like, fuck out of here, dude. Talk about living out of yeah. prayer. So you can make it a playoff to do what? Nothing with their gutter roster. And it's just like, marketing team, fucking relax. I know you got, like, one of your Kardashians running it or something. But, like, fucking relax on your YOLO shit on Twitter. And I feel like their Instagram... And I'm sorry, media team, if you're listening. Like, you guys are nice to me, but, like, please, fucking, like, 
I don't know why it looks like a 15-year-old runs it, you know? So how do you guys feel about that that playoff drought thing? You know, did you – obviously you didn't think it would take so long or it could have a driver's license, the drought, but pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say this. This is going to sound really wrong, but a, a part of me, and it's a very, 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 very small part of me, was kind of happy when Ralph Wilson passed. And I know that sounds – very wrong, but you know, like when he had been 15, 16 years since they made the playoffs when he died, he was this old fashioned AFL owner. They all, you remember the cash to the cap philosophy that Marv Levy had when he was GM, which yeah. is pretty much just an excuse for them to be cheap. No, like, re- never, refresh they, me, refresh me. What what does that mean, cash to the cap? It was pretty much they factored in. I mean, I'm not a, a cap, you know, a salary cap expert. I just had one on. My, His name is Zach Moore. And he was, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. it, you need a Dan Wall degree, I think, to understand the NFL cap. The cash to the cap was where they'd equate all the signing bonus into one year. So it looked like they were kind of spending more money than they were. Mm. And they weren't like, they just, they weren't a, a, a ideal franchise to play for. And, you know, 2014, whenever it was that Ralph Wilson died and you had Bon Jovi and Donald Trump and all these, you know, crazy rich people trying to buy him it was, it was kind of neat i found like, okay, i found that really tight around then you know what i mean like like very tight yeah. it was just weird that doug marone opted out of his contract and what was crazy is a reporter from here i believe sal marijuana from the rockstar democrat chronicle if i'm not mistaken asked a question at his last presser like hey uh what's up with your contract and at the time, I'm buying the Bills media department hook, line, and sinker because I, I didn't understand how media really works and how public relation works, where the team gets to dictate whatever they want, pretty much, whether that's about the player or the coach. Um, and you can't speak up as a player, pretty much, or you're off the team. And w- the way Doug Marone was like, yeah, I'm not going to talk about that. It's just like, whoa, that's weird. So I don't know. I just thought that was a little odd. Um, what, how'd you guys feel about that when he left the team? I was happy. Yeah, I was also pretty happy. Me too. I, I thought his system I, sucked. Yeah. Around the same time when after they hired Rex Ryan, you mentioned Bill Burr earlier. Bill Cone was opening for Burr at the Steve Allen Theater, and we were backstage, and Bill Burr was talking to us about Rex Ryan, and he was just saying, like, he's like, you guys, he's a, he's a, he's a carny. He's a circus clown. Yes. And, you know, you remember, Brandon? I'm, yeah. You, poor, deep in your heart, you know he's, he's right, but you just want to believe that Rex Ryan would work out. Dude, I bought so, it. You know, I bought it because, frankly, I bought in a whole fucking marketing, again, hook, line, and sinker, like, bloodlines. Like, hey, man. This guy's got this assist. His fucking father punched our old offense coordinator in the face. I like this guy. We're going to have marketing. And all I wanted, dude, was shine on the bills because not for nothing. Had this conversation with my dude, the Steelers fan kid, Ryan. I- I've seen receivers come into Buffalo and get shut the fuck down. And ESPN doesn't talk about it. Josh Allen throws fucking over 300 yards in game one. Doesn't get talked about on the Pat McAfee show, I think, ever until really late on. And it's just like. All I wanted was some shine. So, like, when I go to Florida and drop kick a fucking dolphin in my speedo, make a little my little wrestling out of my friend Deacon, 
Like, dude, you saw Percy Harvin, LaShawn McCoy, fucking a tight end and Charles Clay, Sammy Watkins, and, 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 and Robert Woods, and, and these fucking players, dude. These players on the team talent that I've never seen before on the defensive side of the ball, all in one-stop shop. And somehow Rex Ryan makes an incredible offensive decisions with with fucking Doug Whaley, which I thought, if you're looking at it like a chess player, I liked what that Tyrod did, a little ahead of his time-ish, a.k.a. people don't want to change your system and tailor to that because they're fucking idiots. And if you're Chip Cowley, you just do it with players that don't match NFL size, and so your blocking schemes don't work out. But my point is, is that was crazy with Rex. And then to see a defense fall apart, and I was actually in the corner of, hey, Mario Williams, it's chess. Why don't you drop in the coverage? Because I do see some DNs actually getting picks, and maybe you're an athlete, but it just all imploded. And I heard over time, and it was hard for me to accept, honestly, because um, you got to understand, dude, I bought a tracksuit, a Bill's tracksuit. I went fucking bonkers. Oh, we had the circus in town? I'm like the fucking pandering circus guy. Like, I'm the first one. Like, I'm stoked. And, you know, but my point is, is like, dude, I had to accept that he was more into talking about being a coach and doing the marketing for the team and being ultra panderer than actually being the coach. And it sucked because he actually has some talented coaches. I mean, I honestly thought Anthony Lynn would have been great to have him as a coach. It seemed that players like to play for him. And when I just hear McDermott, 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 I'm like, man, this guy reminds me of Dick Duran, but because of the wrestling pedigree and we talked to Dan Gable, I understand what it takes to get to a national level of wrestling. You got to be out of your fucking mind. And I was a kid who's, you know, chopping up garbage bags and duct taping under my body to run around the block and not watch your <laughs> fucking TV because I'm going to fucking salivate and, you know. <laughs> so I just thought it was a little no, I, weird that Rex Ryan didn't work out as weird as it sounds. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy it didn't because they obviously, like any other coach when they're fired, you know, the organization went in the completely opposite direction, got a humble, quiet person in McDermott, which is probably what they need. Yeah. I heard that players, um, I did it. you guys actually might, not to plug, because I don't give a fuck if you, you know, you're a fan, right? Like, it's a pleasure to have you guys on. I'm not trying to waste your ears. But I try to, like, um, just ask some different shit sometimes and i had this writer on named matthew fairburn he writes for the athletic and he's on his other pod podcast called the buffalo beat and if there was one to listen to i'd say that um and he i got to ask him some questions afterwards about doug whaley and stuff after the call and during the call i asked him some questions about buffalo media and through his podcast i also got to pick up the tea leaves and, and add some shit up and frankly um, the Bills had a work ethic problem in the building. As, as corny as it sounds, the players didn't want to work. And the culture was fucked up. So when I hear about players in hindsight, how I was telling you, like, how the, if you're looking at it as a fantasy football aspect, you gutted your team and roster. Don't tell me culture is going to trumpet when fucking you got three years here and you got rookies that are on four to five year contracts and they're going to pick up and go where the fuck the money's at. So don't yeah. tell me you're going to invest a bunch of first year starters in second round picks, third round picks in, in a hopeful and then not set that guy up the best you fucking can 
and then tell me it's the most position in fo- important position in football. So, um, you're right. We're in a way better spot. I, I mean, there seemed like there there were years where the Bills seemed like the farm system for the rest of the NFL, especially with cornerback like Nate Clement, Antoine Winfield, Stephon Gilmore, all guys that they drafted high and developed, and then when they hit their second contract, they left. That fucking drove me crazy. And you see yeah. these receivers come in and get shut down. Odell Buckham Jr. comes in and gets shut down. Again, it doesn't get covered. You know, it's not a big, oh, it's a fucking Bills. They lost anyways. Well, maybe they lost because the ref called a phantom holding call and a phantom clipping on Richie Incognito. Oh, that guy, fuck that guy. And, and I don't know if you guys remember that. I was against the Giants. I was there. It sucked. Yeah, I miss Richie, too. Richie was, he had that Buffalo attitude. He was a bully. I, uh, <laughs> holy house. I texted or I, I tagged him and Sam Tripoli together. I said, you guys need to be like friends because <laughs> I, I, I'm serious, man. Like all, all, all I do, dude, is I listen to these fucking podcasts and I think like, how can I produce? And like through the whole punch drunk thing, I befriended Sam and like, I keep in touch with them like weekly, you know, conspiracy shit or whatever, or Clipper talk a little bit. I got with him because, you know, Doc Rivers, which he was stoked about, you know, but like, it's just crazy because Incognito is such a good offensive lineman, and Eric Wood was talking about him on a podcast, and he was like, yo, dude, he, or, or my man John Murphy show, he goes, he comes into OTAs during us in a race, like blowing us out the gate. He is in the best shape, yada, 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 yada. So, like, when he went nuts, like, get me out of this fucking contract, yada, yada, I was, like, so fucking happy for him that he got what he wanted, you know. But at the same time, what really pissed me off is that's a month before they draft Josh Allen, Eric Wood had his back injury, and they ignored the offensive line straight up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they got Dawkins, but, like, that's, again, now we got to wait two years to develop a left tackle. Or you could have just maybe tried Cordy Glenn that he healed, but he didn't really work out in Cincy, so maybe they knew something. So I really think that they that McDermott cleared out maybe a lot of the guys that didn't want to work was my point to you guys. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I view the Bills now. You see they're, build, they're trying to build what, the, what McDermott and Brandon Bean did with the Panthers five, six years ago. You know, they you, when they took Tremaine Edmonds, a few picks after Josh Allen. You know, I remember they traded back up into the first to get Tremaine Edmonds, and you know he's kind of supposed to be their Luke Keekley. And when when they when they got Edmonds, I wasn't happy about the Allen pick, but I was with my brother when they got Edmonds, and they're like, "That's a good pick." He's like, "They they got him. He he fell further than he should have." I mean, so you look at the team. I mean, the Panthers, their 2015 Super Bowl. I don't think. I think they had Michael Ower, I think, was a first-round pick on the offensive line, but they didn't invest a bunch of picks on on their line, at least in the early rounds. I just thought they were systematically, honestly, fucked up, to, to be frank with you, because uh, when when you hear Richie Incognito has to go into the coach's room and tell them, guys, we're not doing it this way anymore. We need to incorporate some power blocking scheme. That tells you that yeah. McDermott came in didn't even look at the tape and say, hey, they're using this kind of blocking scheme. What kind of coach should I get in here? Juan Castillo was his first hire as run game coordinator, offensive line coach, okay? And that 
requires you to have points if you want to be on the offensive side of the ball. If not, why are we playing the game? And when I looked at that Tremaine Evans pick, I thought the exact same thing. And then when I really thought about it, guys, um, I started to get pissed off because I never really looked at Carolina like a model. You know, I didn't consider them a fucking dynasty. That said, I was stoked on McDermott again wrestling thing, but his defense was was where the league is at. Okay, the cutting edge thing. So when they did trade Darby away, I was actually really pissed because that's the first round draft pick that Doug Wheelie doesn't get credit for. Because that's when Sammy Watkins is taken the year before, and then he follows up with Ronald Darby, who was a top five corner, I believe, was a rookie year for a lot of the year, um, according to some of those analytics sites. And you had that couple with Gilmore, as we talked earlier. And um, you just frankly get this area where value, value, value. And in Buffalo, again, we're on that three-year coach timeline. So I, in hindsight, being a Vikings fan, loving Leslie Frazier and his defenses, I already had to step up on it. I love Jared Allen. I, I already knew about the defensive line rotation because I would watch the media tear up the fucking Vikings. I didn't care. This guy has played football. Uh, Leslie Frazier, you know, part of the Bears and that fucking legendary team, you know, like just love Leslie Frazier, head coaching guy and candidate, you know, always looked at like the Tony Dungy model, nice character. And when Sean McDermott locked him in, I'm like, good, dude, we're fucking set. Like, like we are legit set. And um, mm-hmm. I, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. Like, just got to kind of. Get people in there to understand, like, your work is going to go towards something and just show the fuck up, do your job. And I feel defensively, systematically, they're there. And I'm glad that every year, Sean McDermott is not afraid to release a coach, make an adjustment. I mean, we saw that with the quarterback's coach a couple times. So, um, I mean, did you guys think that there would be enough time for this to develop like this? Because I would never have thought that the Bills could have actually did that. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't think it would be this quick. I mean, we went from 17 years and nothing to now we might be a top five team. Yeah. And it's been, you know, three years. Diggs is the most impressive receiver I have seen year one. That Brandon Bean thing, you know what I said before draft, guys? I said to myself, I go, you know, I don't want a receiver because I need somebody that's going to that's play now. And honestly, yeah. I was even tilting like, dude, if they had to go D-end, I would not even complain. I, I understand because this is where I was getting mad when McDermott came in and got out of the roster because I felt like the roster is finally at this point where, Hey, you know what? We got an overload of talent and these players have been in the system long enough. The last thing I hate hearing is, Hey, from Chris Brown, you're two in the system. You know, we get to iron some shit out. Oh my God. Fuck out of my (laughs) life, dude. Like that's just all it seems like a Bill's football. So like the fact that Josh Allen made it through the gauntlet, like I'm, I'm eating a lot of crow to be real with you. Like, even if the Bills lose the next 10 games and Josh Allen throws for a 100 yards game, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't give a fuck, dude. I, I love his tenacity. I love that he's tough. I-, I-, I like that they are conscious of him running. 
you know, because don't tell me franchise quarterback and then design run when you're up 21, third quarter, the other game, three games ago. You know, mm-hmm. so, dude, I was hoping for, like, I told my friend game one, I don't know about you guys. All right, look, dude, Mike, we got to get in there 10 points. If we can get 14 by halftime, I'll be, like, ecstatic. And the Bills just kept putting up points, and they had their third quarter draw. But I'm sorry, their third quarter, empty third quarter thing, I've had that from McDermott offenses for, like, three years. So, like, the fact that we only yeah. have one quarter of that now, I will take that. That's an, You're watching the NFL now, and you can go, huh, yeah, we can beat this team. I don't remember when I've ever done that in my life with the Bills. Thanks. Same. Yeah. Same. They have like the th- the second or third hardest schedule the rest of the year, and I'm still thinking, well, they're three and zero. They're a really good team. They they'll still likely make the playoffs, even though you look at their schedule. It's like, god dang, they play some heavy hitters. Well, they we also get uh, there's also the extra playoffs off this year, so I think oh, that right. regardless of the schedule, I think you know starting three and zero, and I don't think most people thought we were going to beat the Rams. So starting 3-0, they're at a huge advantage now. They'd really have to fall off to, to not make the playoffs. Do you guys know um, the comedian Kevin Elliott? No. No. He's a Rams fan. He's he's friends with Sam. And um, I had him on the year before golf and Gurley went off um, on the Rams a few years ago. And he's like, it's like right before the season started, he goes, Dude, the fucking offensive line sucks. Gurley blows, all sorts of shit. And then, like, they make the fucking Super Bowl, okay? <laughs> and then the following year, they don't. And then they come into, you know, to Buffalo, which I didn't get to fucking see. And, and, like, the worst part, by the way, is, like, I actually canceled my tickets. I was like, yo, fuck this, COVID, I'm out. Because I'm, like, just, like, depressed. Because I got, like, the bougie seats, I think I was telling you guys. And all I did is just, like, bought these awesome, really apple crumb, pie crumb, whatever, fucking Jameson, whatever dumb drink they made that week, you know? And I'm just spending more money than I need to, and I'm just, like, watching pretty much my fantasy football shit and watching no points go on for the Bills, so I'm, like, stuck inside more. And it's just kind of just weird. It's just... I don't know where the fuck I started with this, but it's just it's just weird to be in the spot as a fan and actually have hope and like miss being in the stadium because I miss the views. Like I would pay a hundred dollars a year if I could just like get different camera views where I could see what's going on. Not even all twenty two, just like the any any seat in the stadium besides the camera view, so I can actually appreciate what's going on in coverage, appreciate what's going on because you know Milano and Edmonds being out. You want to talk about a cutting-edge defense, you know, Tremaine Edmonds. We're like, what the fuck? That many picks on a linebacker? Especially after Matt Milano comes in, fifth-rounder, awesome. But his health, which I hate to bash players on that, you know, it's a concern. Some people just play and have different techniques and are more reckless and they get hurt more or nutrition or whatever. Or they work out too much, honestly. They overwork. And you look at the team, they have linebackers who can cover. That's... Extremely cutting edge. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds is a fucking tight end. Let's face it. Um, mm-hmm. Arms long as fuck. You can't throw over him. I never thought about yeah. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's like 22. He was like 20 when he was drafted. 
He was the youngest player going to the NFL when he when he came to the league. I mean, so think there's there's rookies coming that are going to come out next year that are older than he is now. And he's played in the league. This is his third year. Isn't that nuts? He he's and you felt him. You know, I didn't think. Oh man, how do I say this? I thought that the way I actually picked the Rams to beat the Bills, like edge them out. Okay. Oh no. I I, I hate to. I got to be objective here. Um, <laughs> I I was my friend held me to the fire on. I tried to avoid. It. I was like, I I, I don't know. And he's like, well, I I actually had the Rams. And from like, I have the the gambler guy. I haven't beaten him out. I'm like, I don't know, dude. And I guess I agree because, and guess what? The rest tried to give it to him. They really did. Yeah. That, that interception thing, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. And, and and that's the thing is, we're used to seeing a Bills team that doesn't, you know, really get out of that jam. Um, but Milano and Edmonds are back. Is there anything you guys are looking for moving forward? Because I, I think it's really been great that Josh Allen hasn't had design runs because if you're going from the Belichick school of the best mind, as we were talking earlier, of football – one thing he does is he doesn't really he, – he tries not to repeat patterns pretty much. You know, don't show him the whole playbook. You know, jumble up the analytics. That's why he does a lot of plays, you know. So um, I have faith in the defense to get the ball back, and now we have faith in really this year has been Josh Allen carrying the team. I don't think they are 3-0 and with another quarterback, and, and it's like crazy to say. So how do you guys look yeah. if you want to wrap the next 15 minutes up or something? On with you guys talking on how do you see the season looking and what are you looking forward to? Uh, you can go first, Lucas. Okay. Well, I mean, I texted Bratton is either last Sunday or the Sunday before during the game. It's like I've never seen a, a Bills team where you know when the offense gets on the field, you expect at least one or two first downs. You know, old teams, the offense would get out there, they'd get their three and out, and then the defense would be out on the field too long, and they'd be tired by the end of the game. It's like you can depend on the offense to at least eat up some time. At least you know the defense should get a little bit of rest. And you just you see a way more complete team. I mean, it wasn't long ago that they had Brian Mormon on their season tickets. Like they were marketing their their best players. You remember part. that? My friend yeah. canceled. My friend Jeff Knight. Shout out Jeff <laughs> Knight, big fan. He fucking dude. He's the guy to go to the game with. He goes. He had seasons for a couple years before, like a few years before me for a couple years. And he goes. They sent me the thing with Brian Warren punting from my own end zone. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like. <laughs> and you know what? Um, to yeah. to I want before you shoot it. Uh, before you wrap up. On your thing or what you're saying, let me jar you real quick. I used to judge Bills quarterbacks. I'm like, what can they do on third and long? Because they're going to get a stupid fucking penalty. So, like, what can they do on, like, third and 19? I need that guy. Because if the Bills can't get to, like, third and three regularly, planning that being a third and 13, because they're going to get, especially against the Patriots, hate to say it, a market, a team that is marketed well, they're going to get calls. That's what I've determined. So, just so you know add that to your repertoire too of what you're saying is no offensive hope yeah you got to go third and 20 half the time it felt like anyways yeah yeah and in that situation too like i'm fine with josh allen throwing a 50 yard bomb if it gets picked off so be it it's a long punt 
exactly. I, I, I love I love Josh Allen. Just anytime he throws it down the field, you get excited. But it's also, you know, having a quarterback that throws it down the field, whether it gets picked off or not, versus the guy that dumps everything off, there's way less of a risk for a pick six when you're throwing it down on the other side. That's a good point. So a guy like Drew Brees, who is dumping everything off, you're going to see, I think he, he gave, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he gave up a pick six already this year. And, and uh, Brady's done the same thing. Like the guys that check down, they're more likely when they make a mistake to have it be a very costly one versus like Josh Allen. Okay. We just flip the field possession. I think that's why how you guys were saying earlier, um, Lucas, I believe you made this point. Was it Lucas? Um, where Tom Brady and Belichick, the system was so ironed out from the intangibles of the player, da 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 da. And it's like you could take that system on paper and, and slap it over to Bruce Arians, the, the exact scheme, okay, to make Tom Brady successful. But you have to have players who are going to be in the right spot, who are going to study the playbook, go over footwork, make sure they do all the right shit to make sure that those little dump offs consistently work, you know, and. Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing that, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. I'm looking at their I'm looking at their schedule now. The next two weeks are very winnable games against uh, one team that can't stop the run, and another team that's having a hard time with the pass. And then you get to week six; that'll be the big test when they play the Chiefs. I mean, if that's they make, game. yeah, if they make that a competitive game, whether they win or lose, that'll tell you. You know, it's almost one of those games that are like, if they do lose, maybe they'll learn something from it and then come playoffs and they make the adjustments and they win that game. So I'm excited about this year. And a lot of it, I know their schedule before the season was very difficult, but you look at a lot of the teams that they're playing, especially out West. I mean, these guys have had a lot of injuries. The 49ers are just completely messed up to the point where I don't know if I've ever seen a team be that hurt where literally everybody on both sides of the ball is just out. And the Seahawks, that'll be another fun game because they don't play defense. And Josh Allen throws the ball now. Cardinals, they don't really play defense. That'll be fun. So this this is going to be it's going to be a great year. Do you guys play Madden? I haven't. I did. Yeah, same. Okay. Since like 2011, I haven't. Yeah, you I, yeah. I heard there's a lot of glitches in this year's version. Oh, dude, don't even get me fucking going. I, me and the dude Ryan played today. We played the Kobe's. We dropped the ball like fucking. I had three plays for the god, right accurate to Kobe'sly, and like they're over his his short ass. And like that's my dude. I like him. He's got a rap career. Okay, like I think <laughs> he does. I swear to God, he's like yeah, hip hop. Yeah. I really respect it. Like no joke. Yeah. I didn't mean it like in a slight. Like, um, but. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's fucked up, man. Don't even get me going is where I'm going. Like, don't get me going, but I want to talk about it. So it, it's like I judge the Bills and how they are in fucking sports games, and they can actually work now. Because, like, dude, I'm such a laundry rooter, like the Seinfeld thing where you root for laundry, that, like, if my fucking Bills team sucks online, like, you don't understand. I, and, and my friend Mike, who next time we talk, I'd love to have him out with you guys if we're down. If you're down to come back in a shit show, like, um, I was mentioning to him, I go, we were playing this year, and he goes, no, it was last season, man, it's 20. And I go, dude, if I don't use the bills, I'm going to fucking tear you up. 
I was up on a twenty-one nothing with Drew Brees because the game's so dumb. You have these <laughs> have these X Factor players, right? It's like, oh my god, they're just making it so like video gamey on purpose. And don't get me going on that again because you trace it back to marketing and sales, and it's just gross. They don't put any resources into the gameplay to a point where people are like hashtagging boycott, fucking you know Madden. Yeah, yeah. Now I have a question. How much have the ratings changed now? Do you, like, cause they update the ratings week to week. So Josh Allen went up one point. That's it. Yeah, I guess. But what's crazy I mean, is you can actually use players, them this like year. Hyde, right? What's that? What's that? I thought like was it who's there, is Michael Hyde their highest rated player? Uh, I am honestly not sure. I wouldn't be shocked if it was he, Trey White. He is. I think I saw something. It's either white or hide. It's definitely not Allen. Okay, but if you're gonna pick your your the, the top five bills, you'd want to keep. I don't think Micah High would. You know, like he's an Iowa guy, so am I. I. That's one of the reasons I love him. But like, Stephon Diggs isn't rated higher. I can't believe that. I think yeah. he might be now, actually. Well, well we're we're fucking at the ratings the other day. Yeah, yeah. And, and... He was he was the afterthought in Minnesota, though. I mean, he was technically the wide receiver one, but it was Adam Thielen that was having the monster years when he was there. He was basically just clearing out the field for him. Right. So I get why they wouldn't rate him because it's it's a lot of it's based on their stats as well. So if he's not putting right. up big stats, he's not going to get higher ratings. Dude, I, I'll be honest with you guys. I really mean this. I, I This is so fucking... Everybody hates the Bills. Oh, my God. But, like, really, I, I think the Bills get slighted even in video games. Like, no, like, not even kidding. There was a year where I swear it was like a Roscoe Parrish year because I love that dude. In the slot, you know, okay, he fucking made me so hard. It was great. I mean, no homo on it, but it was just straight up like he's so fast. He zips around, and 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 the reason I like video games is because I get to not use their shitty system and logic. I get to play my yeah. own chess game. And when you have receivers this one year, I sort of got they all just drop the ball. On the Bills. Just the Bills. It, it all just dropped the Bills. It was impossible. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. There's a bias. I'm telling you. There, there is a bias. Um, So, I'm going to let you guys go. What do you guys have coming up? Um, Did you guys drop a podcast today? I actually wanted to listen, but usually, do you, don't you guys do it Wednesday? Yeah, yeah, we recorded it. Probably is up on YouTube. Oh, and, it's and called... Uh, I got you. It's called... Baseball, basketball, bubbles, and football. There's so much happening in sports right now. We have a lot to catch up on. Do you title that? Is that you, Brenton? Lucas? No, that's Emma. Nice. You guys have a producer and everything? Yeah, she's uh, amazing. She she works on uh, a lot of the ATC shows, um, all things comedy, and then she also is the producer for the Doughboys podcast. So a really talented, really great person. Is uh, almost won our fantasy league without ever playing last year. Oh, her, yes, yeah, (laughs) you know, that's criminal. Like, (laughs) it's like when you hear about people telling their kids uh, to just take a bracket and they show them the logos of the team or the mascots, and their bracket does better than your bracket, and you're like, What are you doing? Like, this isn't there, should be a tax, like, if you're not trying tax. Well, it just goes to show you, do do research. If you're going to gamble, do research. But when you listen to all the experts, they're wrong almost all the time. 
so they can help guide you to make better decisions. But at the end of the day, it's oh, gambling's really just guessing. Now, real though, real talk for you to talk about your show. The reason I do like it is the format because for years, um, I have a channel coming out football, and the whole genius is pretty much. There's always something stupid to talk about with football, and I don't want to have to do it all the time, so why not just outsource it as a channel to, like, my friend Mike and have his bad gambling takes or good gambling takes. You know, I was even thinking about having my dad come on and talk about fucking gambling, and but mostly doing all sorts of stuff, like a sports documentary thing on, on you know, sketchy football betting, you know. And have you noticed what – have you guys always bet on sports or, or been involved, paying attention to it, I should say? As far as like the line, I've always, I've always, I've always been a huge fan of sports, but I never did any gambling until Steve started the podcast. So I've only been gambling for you know maybe a year and a half. How have you been doing? I've, I, I mean, obviously, I trust that you're not going to give me the gambler's addict answer of dog, dude. You know, I fucking uh, up well, two grand, but I'm down like thirty. I, I think I think we we touched on how I'm doing earlier in the show. Nice. <laughs> My, I, 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 <laughs> take, take, take the DraftKings away from it, but ju- just say you were like betting, betting, not not fantasy sports. Like, oh, if we're just talking about betting, betting, I, I basically just do DraftKings, but we do every week on the show. We try to win Lucas money, and we put fifty dollars down in a parlay. And I think last year, the entire season, I maybe got two of the sixteen or seventeen weeks right. So I did more than that. I, I don't know. I was you, you started slow, but mid season you, you, you got the hang of it. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I typically don't just do I don't like doing player prop bets and I don't do uh you know the game straight up. I'm more focused on the fantasy as- aspect, but uh, you know, I, I wouldn't go to me to ask, hey, who's going to cover the spread this week? Because I don't fucking know. I'm glad you said that, and I didn't want to say that, but I was kind of hoping Lucas would say it. And, um, you know, Lucas, are you better on picks then? And, and this is Brenton's more of a um, a fantasy guy, I would say, as far as strategic. You know, he's got a system, and you got to tr- – I mean, he's got the money. Let's be real. Yeah. He already touched on it three times. And so no, for me, yeah, yeah. So where where are you at for you? Um, you know, I, I always I, I look at it like a bargain now. Like, what team do I think is undervalued or whatnot? And so, like last week, I saw that. But it, again, it's all a crapshoot. Like, I remember the only time I really was ever into sports gambling was my first year in LA. It was 2009, and a friend of mine, Dave McMenamin, he's uh, he had a he had like a survival pool of like, you know, 50 of his friends and we all put 20 bucks into this thing. And, you know, you pick a team every week and you can only pick, you know, the same team. You can only, only pick a team once. And I didn't have a job at the time. The economy was shit. And I was very poor living in Los Angeles. And I got to like week 13 and out of, you know, the 50 people in this pool, it was down to like four of us. And I picked Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers to beat the Browns on like Thursday night football. Cause they were like the defending Super Bowl champs. And I thought, Oh, this is a shoe in and I'll hopefully, you know, win this, you know, Dave's pool so I can like pay rent and stuff. And I'll tell you, Roethlisberger shit the bed that night. And it just told uh, me that don't ever, ever 
put too much money into, into sports gambling because it's Vegas always wins. Yeah, this, the sure thing is never the sure thing. Yeah, and that's something um, I, I learned from my father. It's easier to bet on college because, it, it, you know, it, it, and the thing is I don't like about life is there's so many hyperbole, so much hyperbole. And, and the thing is, too, is we also have access to information. And, and, and as you're saying, Lucas, you're talking, I'm thinking about the systematically, you and Brighton are actually on the same page. And which is find the gap, you know, and it's ironic, Brian, because I started to get hooked on DraftKings the first year or second year the Bills had Charles Clay. So probably second year Rex Ryan. I don't know. Maybe it was mm-hmm. the first year. And I actually, because they gave you like the, the money, I actually did good. I didn't like, you know, do good, but I I won money, you know. I eventually lost it, yeah. but but it's like. I don't know. I, I feel that's kind of what gambling is, but um, Lucas, do you do okay in a DraftKings type setting? Um, I mean, I ha- I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I I guess I guess we'll see. We'll find out. I'll keep you updated. Yeah, keep me posted because I'm I'm curious because um, I feel like following 32 teams in the NFL is really difficult. It's almost easier following the players and tiers and seeing how they shift around and seeing who gets injured, who's the next man up, versus following all the beat reporters. And they've been so secretive on the lineups to a point where I don't know if you guys heard, but Chris Brown, uh, the Bills beat reporter, he got suspended. I think, like, probably McDermott's call. By who? The Bills. Oh, really? Yeah, Damn. I heard that Steve Tasker led him on with some questions, and they just put out a press release or a memo that I guess Steve, Chris Brown, I don't think saw it yet, saying, like, do not talk about what you see on the field. Wow. Yeah, as in, like, who, I mean, do, do who's you... in what position, where? Yeah, it's so funny how they're so secretive. Like I was watching the you know coaches wearing masks the other day. It's like I wonder when COVID's over if they're still going to wear the mask just to hide their lips. <laughs> I could maybe see not, some of them maybe doing not that. maybe not masks, but something like a face shield where they can still breathe because half of them don't want to wear them. That's why they're all getting fined. Right, but that's a good point. <laughs> you guys are. I mean, they'll do power. like the, uh, the the dark vibe, like. Uh, Andy Reid will have a dark visor that just covers his whole head. He'll have like a dark Vader helmet. I was just gonna say, you ever watch? I was just gonna bring up Andy Reid. You ever watch um, Power Rangers? You know, pathetic question, but um, uh, yeah. years ago, yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. So I used to watch the first one, and remember they had that fucking dude in the tube. He was kind of like floating there. That had. Yeah. That like reminds me of Andy Reid behind that face shield. He's just like this dude just fucking <laughs> just like chilling because you get a glare off that thing. Like it's just it's just like super odd. And Bill Belichick, I wonder what do you guys have any spygate shit before I let you go? Because I don't you know what I mean? This is a good atmosphere. Do you guys have any spygate shit? I don't want to waste your time, but do you think he's cheating still? I think he's doing I, whatever he can try to do to stretch the rules to give him an advantage. I don't know if he's flat out agreed. cheating, but he is definitely 
he knows the rule book better than anybody, and he is absolutely pushing it to the limit of whatever he he, he is allowed to do. He's got that yeah, fucking I mean, uh, that guy. Who's his guy? Ernie or some shit? His buddy? Oh yeah, yeah. His his his. I don't even know what the guy's title is, but I just know he's on the sidelines next to him. I see him here all the time. You ever heard about the Doug Flutie helmet story that he retracted? No. There's a story Doug Flutie says, oh, it's not true, I was lying, uh-huh, where he picked up Tom <laughs> Brady's helmet on accident, and that fucking shit went off. The radio thing was still on, okay? Oh, so what they would yeah. do is that guy, here's the deal, and I've always wanted to do this, okay? You have, if you're Bill Belichick, the fucking dude, all right? And that dude's job, your dude dude, is to be the loophole guy. All right? So that dude's setting up radio signals, like, of different channels and shit. I think is how it worked. And he would also do, I think, some other probably investigating. He probably listens to podcasts of the Bills, see what the fuck they're doing, you know? But, um, yeah, he's got a sketchy dude. Every coach needs a sketchy dude doing sketchy shit, you know? You need that guy. <laughs> I don't know what's up with his son trying to bring the fucking mullet back. Like, bro, like, you, you, come on, man. <laughs> You're like a rich white kid. Like, what the fuck are you doing with your little tattoo on your finger, you piece of shit? <laughs> like, I never thought there would be a yeah. day where I see kids with chicken scratch on their fucking face working at the Apple store. Like, get the. I had my dog tattooed on my hand. And I got that at a time where you had to think about it, okay? Like, what the fuck? But, all right, guys, I appreciate your time. Thank you for wasting it with me. It's been really fun. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, dude, Thank really, you. anytime. Like, you guys are fun, man. The podcast really helps me unred pill myself from being addicted to red pilling myself and getting down to business. So, um, yeah, what's the odds with you guys and Steve Run as Easy is really one of the best podcasts because, like you said, Brenton, you got your angles, man. You're a champion in, in, in something. And that's in making money. So, Lucas, I don't know what you're a champion. You know, I try to be a renaissance man, trying to learn many, many skills through this quarantine. Keep myself busy. You guys have a favorite Bills player of all time before I let you go? Brenton, you go first. Uh, Doug Flutie, just because I was a short kid and he was a short guy. So I always, you know, no no pun intended, I looked up to him a lot and I loved watching him. I got to see him. Uh, I was living in Ohio and uh, we went to a, a Bills Bengals game. I think it was like 98, maybe 99. And uh, they won by like 30 points. And first play from scrimmage was an 80-yard touchdown to Eric Moulds. And I just, I fucking loved him. I ate Flutie Flakes. <laughs> Yo, I got I, a Flutie I, Flakes I, box around here somewhere. Yeah, I, I still have a Flutie Flakes box. And uh, he's the man. Love him. <laughs> yeah, look, he, he was better than Bledsoe. I take back whatever I said earlier about Bledsoe being the best Bills quarterback since Kelly. That's not true. Yo, my friend Mike. I'm going to have you guys come on. I'm going to have, I don't need to have them explain to you. I'll explain to you. The Flutie curse. You know what the Flutie curse was? No playoffs. My friend yeah. Mike, the gambler, brought it up. Oh, yeah. Yep, the Flutie curse. And Tyrod got him out of it. Now, I used to, I would say 
that as a kid was probably my favorite because that's kind of like where I'm really coherent. I used to follow a lot of Michael Jordan and Cal Ripken Jr. as far as stats and stuff. And, you know, I will say that Doug Flutie brought some magic, but then you listen to like Thurman Thomas talk about him. And it's like, he's a douchebag. And to piggyback and be in Thurman Thomas's camp, I think he loves the attention, which is cool. Um, not Thurman, but uh, Doug, because I tweeted him one time, and I go, hey, Doug, I really uh, thought you had more left in the tank. You know, wish you would have played another year or two. He replied. He goes, yeah, me too. So I thought that was kind of cool, man. So, Brenton, you might appreciate that, dude. He'd probably send you an yeah. autograph if you sounded yeah. Flutie Flakes. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas, what about you? Do you have a favorite player? Um, actually, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I thought we might be doing a video podcast, but I brought this up. But, uh, wild card pick, I have to say, Steve Christie. Because when I was a kid, I, you know, I, I used to write letters to athletes every once in a while, you know, and I'd send a baseball card and maybe like 15, 20% of the time they would sign it and send it back. And Steve Christie did that. Like, I wrote him a letter, included an upper deck football card in there, and yeah, he, like, wrote me a nice note and signed my card, and I, I have it to this day. And I just remember, you know, like, they, they they weren't a very good red zone team in the mid-'90s. I remember Steve Christie getting a lot of their points. I'm fucking dying honestly, right now, dude. Like, you're always finding the gap in the marketplace, aren't you? Like, can I get an autograph? I'm going to send it to the fucking kicker. kicker. Like Oh my fucking god! He's the best kicker they've, they've ever had, and I'm hoping Bass can 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 compare. But goddamn, I mean, like it's just the safety of having like a consistent kicker. Remember, he made like a 59 yard field goal against the Jets, like it was nothing. Yo, dude, yeah. I w- I was pissed that they caught Hauschka. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, and he's with the, <laughs> he's with the Jaguars now. How's he doing? He's just fine with them, right? Yeah. Okay. He's a really nice guy, man. Um, they want my dumb ass into camp, and I fucking tried to make friends with everybody. I'm, like, hitting up the DJ, DJ Yes, whatever the fuck. He's making all the tunes, everybody's dancing, you know. But, like, Hauschka was pretty nice. I just, like, shot the shit with him for a second. I was like, hey, man, how's, how's it going? Hey, man, you know, not bad. You know, he's there with the fam. You know, they're like really, uh, I guess pretty average fucking pretty average. But you got to figure that guy has nerves of ice, you would think, being a, a Super Bowl kicker, loudest stadium, you know what I mean, that you're playing in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, hey, in McDermott we trust because uh, I guess it's one of those problems where I never want to accept it. If you have a fucking quarterback, you don't have to worry about that little shit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, guys, where can we find you on Twitter? And then I'll let you go. I'm uh, at BB Combs and then follow at all things comedy. Yep. Yep. At Lucas Hurl and at what's the odds? Sweet. All right, and guys. All the platform. Cool. Let me press pause. Cool. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Subscribe everywhere. What's the odds podcast with Steve Run is easy, along with Numb Bills and, and uh, you know, Punch Drunk Sports. Shoot them a follow. Sam Tripoli, follow him. You want something other than sports, check out Tinfoil Hat. I've helped him do some edits for his Rockfin 
um, show if you have Rockfin. It's called Zero. And um, more of a spiritual podcast, kind of. And uh, check it out. Maybe you'll enjoy it and get your mind off of football and sports or whatever. Just think about some other shit while you're pulling your prick, whatever you do. Um, thanks again. And uh, take care. Really enjoyed the conversation. Hope you enjoy it. If you like it, share it. Tell your friends to subscribe. Shoot a follow, please. We love doubling down on this demographic, which is honest shit talk. See ya.